Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. I decided that I was done being physically tied to my business and that I was gonna spend the second half of my life living a bigger life and maximizing all the areas of my life, like family, friends, spiritual, travel, my health. And I also knew I was gonna need some help with this. So I reached out to the best minds on the planet who are experts in their field to help me to not only create true time and money freedom, but to also help me to lead a truly fulfilled life. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over, it's time to live. And I'm thinking about going to medical school and all I could think about in doing that was, my student loan debt is gonna be sky high when I finally get done and get to be a doctor and you know, I'm helping people. I might not start my life until I'm 40 or 45. I was like, I don't wanna wait that long. A lot of people's problem is that they're not patient enough. You know, we always want that instant gratification. We were just patient and really trusted the process. And I saw what other people in the company were doing and I was like, honestly, if they can do it, I can do it too. The biggest thing was I just didn't wanna wait to start my life. I wanted to start it now. And I wanted to be building something that could last forever, 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 forever. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today's guest is Hayden Vavra. Who's Hayden? Hayden, along with his wife, Emily, are the youngest millionaires in the network marketing company that my wife and I are a part of. In this conversation, we talk about everything from why he chose to do network marketing, why network marketing gets such a bad rap, and the first big ticket item that he bought himself when he started making some money. You can find him on the socials at Hayden Vavra, that's H-A-Y-D-E-N-V-A-V-R-A. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Hayden Vavra. Hayden, welcome to the show. Rob, thanks for having me here, man. You're welcome. Do you like that announcer voice I just used on you right there? Yeah, that was really good. I was like, man, you should have been a DJ or something in your past life. I don't know. <laughs> you know, man, I have really been looking forward to doing this interview with you for so many reasons. Um, most of them, honestly, are a little bit self-serving. But I think as we dig in, we'll be able to help a lot of people too. So thank you for making the time. Yeah, I've really been looking forward to it as well. And uh, I hope that people get some value out of this. But you know, at the very least, we get to have a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So for, first of all, I have to acknowledge you on your recent physical transformation. I mean, you turned into like a superhero. You, you're like, you got the chiseled face, the six-pack thing. What, what set this whole thing in motion for you? Honestly, just some life changes. But I was, I was uh, sitting there, 29 years old. And I was like, man, I'm going to be 30 soon. And I just uh, switched a few things around and, and decided to be consistent instead of uh, you know going, going really hard for like two days and just eating salads and then being ticked off that I didn't have a, a six pack after eating a couple salads. And I realized, you know, let's just uh, take this nice and slow. It was like, okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna shred this so I can see it? Uh, I always told people it's it's been marinating. It's been marinating for a long time. Uh, it's time 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 for the muscles to come out a little bit. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting word to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had um, you know some previous false starts before with you know getting into the shape that you're in now? And and if yes, why did this one stick at this time? Uh, yes. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I think uh, I was a, a person that was like a chronic, uh, I'll start on Monday person. <laughs> and so that was the big thing that changed. I was like, no, no more starting next Monday. Like, you know, I, I think we see it so many times. And especially, you know, I see it a lot with, with what I do. And it's like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is great. You're prepared, you're ready to go. And then, you know, come Thursday, you're getting tired towards the end of the week. You're like, ah, screw it. I'll start again on Monday. You know, and then it's like you have four days. You had three good days and then you have four really crappy days. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course you're not going to get any results or the results that you're looking for. So for me, that was a huge shift. Uh, I've really been into intermittent fasting a lot more and doing some like 24 to 48 hour fasts or cleanses. And that's, that's really helped me a lot too. 
Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you what are you what are you doing now that other people may think is crazy, and uh, I think you answered that. I know there's a lot of uh, controversy over intermittent fasting, and some people don't really understand all of it. But certainly, you are the proof. And uh, to use one more metaphor, the proof of the pudding. Yeah, I don't know why all these I don't know why these examples are marinating in pudding. Um, <laughs> Okay, so full disclosure, you and I met because we're both on the same network marketing team. Uh, you are how old now? Uh, 30. I'm 30 years old. Okay, you're, all right, you're 30 years old and you are making over a million bucks a year in what it is that you do, which puts you at 30 years old in the top 0.5% of American income. So I'm going to not to uh, to swell your head and not to talk only about money, but there are certain things that you're doing that are allowing a certain lifestyle for you to live, allowing certain level of security for you to have. And what I wanted to do in this show, and it may not be for everybody, and I'm okay with that, but the show is about you know working hard and playing hard. And one of the things that I chose personally to do in the world of working hard is to have a percentage of my income come from network marketing, which is something that I never thought I would do. I didn't want to do. And I had a lot of the same apprehensions that um, other people have. And so the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because you're an example of somebody who is extremely young. I mean, you've been making this income you know, in, since your you know, late 20s, 28, 29, somewhere in there. And 26. You know, you're 26. Yeah. And so you're doing better than people that you know, spend their whole lives to get doctorate's degree and, and things like that. So I wanted to create uh, or have a conversation around it. And for people that maybe are interested in it, they may want to consider it themselves. So let's let's start at the beginning. How would you describe what network marketing is in its basic form? In its basic form. I love this. I'm so excited we get to talk about this too. Okay. Network marketing is... I mean, I, I believe that it's business stripped down uh, to its kind of most fun parts about it uh, in network marketing, you know, typically, you know, you could call it a sales force, whatever you want to do it, but we get to do the fun parts about business, and that's connecting with people, offering solutions, and really helping people reach their goals. To whatever that is, there's a lot of different products and services out there, and and that's how I see it. Is is that's that's really how it is. So now the company is taking care of all the shipping, all the research and development, all the materials, events, you know, things like that. And if you want to really take it big, you start doing your own events and, and things like that, and your own calls, and, and you start doing a little bit more. But for the majority of it, the company kind of takes care of all the crappy parts about business. And Rob, as you know, you, you've had a lot of different business ventures. And uh, I, I would say that network marketing is really just stripped down to allow us to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, and to really just be just be people like we're just we get to have fun we get to share and talk about things that we love whatever that may be for for us it's nutrition uh, and helping people with their nutrition goals and I, I think it's brilliant I think it's so much fun and and it takes a lot of weight off off the shoulders and I see so many people entrepreneurs uh, small business owners they get bogged down in kind of those day-to-day activities where they might be at their shop all day and then they have to go home and do all the books, you know, do the payroll, uh, make sure the shipping, make sure all that stuff is is going right where we can just keep talking to people, sharing it, and the company takes care of all that stuff. Um, so I would say in a nutshell, that is what network marketing is. All right. So let's take the flip side of the coin now. Why has it had such a bad rap? Uh, I really believe... I mean, it's... When you look at it as a whole, it's just like anything else. You're going to find bad teachers. You're going to find bad business owners. You're going to find bad cops. You're going to, in every profession, there is, you know, quote unquote, bad people, people doing skeezy things. And I think in network marketing, it got somehow tied to pyramid schemes. It got somehow tied to skeezy people that were just louder than everybody else doing this business. So I think. That is why it's gotten a bad rap. But to be honest, I, th- I really believe those days are gone. Network marketing has gone through its infancy stage. Uh, and, and I'm so blessed for those companies that helped this whole profession get, get us through that. It's gone through its teenage years. It's been through trial. Like 
it's proven. There's there's no more defending network marketing. It's just like pretty soon it's going to be okay. What what company are you a part of? You know, because I, I I can't remember the statistics, but it's some astronomical high percentage of people in in households in America that are using some sort of product from a network marketing company, product or service. And I really believe it's going to be everybody pretty soon. Like, what what company are you a part of? Because it's a great way to make an extra $500 a month, $1,000 a month. And we look at the we economy now, and it's like everybody's looking for a little side hustle, right? Everybody's looking for something a little extra. Now, network marketing can provide that, but it can also provide an, an, an amazing income that, that's freedom and, and that's true residual income. All right, so let's let's kind of go back to when you first started. Tell me what the conversation was like when you decided that you were going to do this. In other words, where were you? Do you remember when you said, "You know what? I think I'm going to do this." I know you have a little background with your parents doing it, but that's what I'm mostly interested in is in you. When did you say, "I'm going all in"? Yeah, so I, I've. I grew up in network marketing, but never thought I was going to do that. I just want to start there. And when I finished, so I I was in school, I was pre-med, I took my MCAT, getting ready to go to medical school. And then I had an opportunity to pursue professional football. Um, And that had always been a childhood dream of mine. So I start doing that. I go down that path. And that's when I actually was introduced to these products that I use now every single day. And I just love the products. I was like, "These, these work. I had been somebody that had taken you know, proteins, nutrition supplements, all through high school and college. And I did that. And now I take these and I'm like, okay, this is actually working. So number one, I, I, my belief was already built in that. But again, never thought I would start, you know, doing it as a business. Until football was over, uh, I was at a crossroads in my life. Like, what, what in the heck am I going to do? I got my student loan bills from my undergraduate. And that, that was like, you know, 400 pounds put back on my shoulders. And I'm thinking about going to medical school. And all I could think about in doing that was my student loan debt is going to be sky high when I finally get done and get to be a doctor. And, you know, I'm helping people. I might not start my life until I'm 40 or 45. I was like, I don't want to wait that long. And so I had, I had watched what uh, my wife, Emily, was doing uh, within our company. And she was helping people. And it still fit along the lines of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a doctor to help people. And you know, and to, and to live a good lifestyle. And, and I saw what other people in the company were doing. And I was like, honestly, if they can do it, I can do it too. And I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to figure this thing out. And really just started getting to work uh, and trusting the process, trusting the process that was laid out. And for me, that the, the biggest thing was I just didn't want to wait to start my life. I wanted to start it now. And I wanted to be you know, building something that could last you know, for, forever. This is why I love this, you know, because I'm around the world of network marketers. Um, I've got, you know, I'm privileged enough to have my choice to interview um, anybody. This sh- this is not a show about network marketing, and frankly, I probably won't have another quote network marketer on the show. But I chose you specifically because you're normal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 the reason why I say that, and I don't mean to, you know, talk disparagingly. But there's something that happens, or at least this is from my perspective, and maybe you can talk to this, but there seems to be something that happens when somebody begins network marketing. They lose who they are and they start talking weird, start posting weird. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're speaking to their friends not like they're like they once were. Can you add a little bit of color there and, and maybe explain why you think that happens and some pitfalls that you can help? Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and that's another reason why I think the profession gets a bad rap is because all of a sudden, you know, and I'm sure you're, the listeners here are, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, I can think about five of my friends that, that exactly describes them. It's like all of a sudden they get, you know, get involved with the company they get excited, just like we all do. And something good happens, you get excited. And all of a sudden, their social media turns into an infomercial. Um, and, you're, and, and they're calling you and they're talking weird. And you're like, okay, what's up? Something's up. No, I, I think sometimes it shocks people uh, when we actually get to sit down, like how kind of quote, quote unquote normal I am, like you said. Because I, I mean, I truly just, I want to help people. And, and when I look at it, 
what I what we really do is we just offer solutions. And if I can ask somebody, if I can get into a conversation, you know, ask enough questions uh, and offer a solution that makes sense for somebody, I, I'm going to do that. If not, I'm going to refer them to somebody else that can. And and I, I just want, I really want to help people have a better life, experience a better life, find solutions for the problems that they have. And, you know, it just so happens that a lot of people have, have issues with weight. They have issues with energy. They have issues with, you know, wanting to feel better. I, I think those things naturally come up in conversations. So I'm not ever going to force the issue with that. And, and we teach our team to do that all the time. It's like have conversations with people without, without an agenda. So let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the income model when it comes to network marketing. So network marketing uh, has this sort of inverted model when it comes to income. Can you describe what the first two or three months look like for you in terms of income, and how long it took before before you started to see numbers that you went, "Whoa, this is crazy." Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love the model because everybody's equally vested in it. Everybody is equally, I want to help a brand new person, you know, because I know that's going to help them, but it's also going to help me. And if I don't help other people be successful, I can't be successful and, and vice versa. So in the beginning, you're going to, and just like any business, you're going to feel like you are doing way more work than what you're getting paid. and. It's just it's just how it is. Like it, that that makes sense. Like it's like you you know you look at it. Uh, we, you know we could use the snowball uh, analogy. You know you you start with a little snowball. You're packing it and packing it, and snow's kind of coming off. You're at the top of the hill, right? And 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 you're trying to just get the you know get the right amount of snow. Uh, find the right people. You're trying to find the right people, and and you're going going to a couple different piles, and finally you get this good 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 snowball. Things start to heat up a little bit. All of a sudden, you're you know you're rolling the snowball, and now it's getting so big that you can't even contain it, and and it just keeps rolling, rolling, rolling down the hill. And all of a sudden, you have this just massive momentum that you can't stop, whether whether you want to or not. And all of a sudden, it's just this this big wave of people that have the same mission, that have the same vision, that are all moving in the same direction. And that's really you know how our business took off is we kept doing the do. We kept looking for the right people. We kept sharing you know, that vision of, of what we wanted to help people do. And that's where I would say, you know, everybody's got a different level of significance, but I would say a six-figure income is, is really significant in our profession. That's always kind of like a pinnacle goal. And within, I would say about uh, you know, a year and a half, we finally got to that point. And then from there, it was like, okay, now because we've done this, we can show other people how to do this. And that's when, when what I love about this model is we started making other people's incomes more important than our own, helping them get to whatever they wanted to be $500 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, $20,000 a month. We have people on our team earning seven figures now. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible what can happen if you just decide to go first. Uh, and that's where, you know, yes, it's going to take time. And, and re- in reality, it was a year and a half that much time for it to get going. No, but it was, it was definitely a grind. It was a grind. And, I, and I, you might agree with me on this, but I think a, a lot of people's problem is that they're not patient enough. You know, we always want that instant gratification. And we were just patient and, and really trusted the process. Well, I, th- I think I think a lot of people come to this point where they're like, you know, I just I, I need some more money. I'm in a desperate situation right now. I don't like my job. I heard about you know Hayden. He's making a million dollars a year. I'll give it a shot. And at some point in their brain, they believe that there's that this is a magic bullet. You know, they sign up and all they got, it's kind of like getting a gym membership, right? All you got to do is get the membership and you get the body. But, you know, the reality is you and I both know you got to do the work. And I, I think at some point, 
and and there's also, I think, some bad network marketers. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. But I think there, that there are some quote bad network marketers who are you know saying, "Come on in, it's going to be easy. It's going to be great. You know, join the team. We're going to make a million bucks, and and we're going to lead a great life." And they join the team. They don't make a million bucks, and they say, "Yeah, I tried. It didn't work." What, what's how do you how do you deal with that when it comes up? in explaining that to people. Oh my gosh, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And and if you, you know, if you're listening to this and someone says it's going to be easy and it's going to be fast and you know, it's it's not like that's not the reality of it and and you're being deceived, you're being lied to. So we're very straight up with people like, "Hey, this is possible, but it's just like anything else, it's going to take a lot of work." I love I love the gym analogy, you know, getting the membership. Yeah, I got the membership, but I didn't go into the gym once. So, I mean, the gym sucks. I didn't get any results. It's like so many people do that in network marketing. They, they get the products, they, you know, they, they get their website, they get the tools, but then they don't talk to anybody. And they're like, oh, I tried that. It didn't work. It was like, well, you didn't work it. It's not going to work if you don't work it. Right. And, and so I have always believed that if I'm, if, if I want somebody to run with me, I want to, you know, I want to have a business partner. I'm going to be straight up with them from the get go. I don't, I don't, if, if you're not ready for that, then I mean, what's the point? Cause it's going to be work. It's going to be hard. And, it, and it's going to, you know, there's going to be times where you're like, why the heck am I doing this? Why did I listen to this person? But you continue on the path and good things begin to happen. But that's, I mean, it's, well, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when people come in, they're like, Oh, it's going to be easy. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of this. The products sell themselves. I was like, no, nothing sells itself. You have to talk about it, right? Like you have to do the work if you want the results. Let's talk a little bit about uh, opposite day. Uh, our mutual friend, Chris Harder, you know, said to me, I remember that there was somebody I was like, wow, I got somebody who's going to be amazing. It's going to be great at this business. He says, be careful. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's opposite day. I'm like, what's opposite day? He said, well, opposite day is the ones that you think are going to be great aren't and the ones that you think are not going to be great are. And you never really know. So, you know, you're doing this much longer than I am. You're making a much higher income than I am, which allows you to have much more clarity and depth in understanding this. But how do you know who's going to be great and who isn't going to be great? Right. Oh man, that is, I mean, that's a tough one. I, the, honestly, the only people that I know are going to be great are the ones that have done it before and they're in a situation where they need to do it again. I mean, that's the only surefire guaranteed way that upon meeting somebody, talking with somebody in the beginning that you know, um, you, can, you can meet people that you would be like, they're going to do, I mean, this is going to be awesome for them. They'll say all the right things in the beginning and you know, they'll be excited. They'll get you excited. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, you never hear from them again. They join the witness protection program and you're like, oh, wait, what happened? Like what happened to all these dreams, hopes, the things you said you were going to do. And then you'll get people that you'd be like, nope, no way. But they want it and something happens and they decide, they make a decision, right? They make a decision that they're going to do this and they make it work and they make it happen and, and you'll be shocked. And I, I, I mean, I still to this day, Rob, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know when I meet somebody. I, I want to always pour belief and greatness into people. But even from a first conversation or knowing, like you still, there's still moments where I'm like, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to overhype it. I used to overhype it and then get let down. And now it's just kind of like, I found that you just kind of remain calm and, and, and see what happens. And, Wait till the action occurs. Right. I was talking to uh, to somebody about this the other day, and uh, she said, "You know, I just I watched the movie, but I turned the volume down, and I just look to see what actions they're taking. I don't care what they're telling me that they want. I don't care what they say they're going to do. I just watch the movie and I lower the volume. And I thought, wow, what a great analogy. That's a great analogy. I like. I'm going to use. I'm stealing that one." I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what have you changed your mind about when it comes to this profession? In other words, where were you in the beginning that now you're like, you know what? I changed my mind about this. Man, that's really good. Uh, that's a great question. Or or maybe I'll give you I'll give you a little time to think about the answer. How how has your thinking changed or evolved since you started to do this? Yeah, I, I would say in the beginning, I thought it had to be, you had to be like this certain type of person or you had to be, 
you know, you had to fit this mold to be a great network marketer. You had to have a, you know, maybe a suit and tie to be good and, and be flashy and be shiny and, you know, have the nice cars, have the big houses. And, you know, I found that to be just completely untrue. What I found to be true was that the people that become the best version of themselves and they're comfortable with that, those are the ones that really make it happen. And it ends up not being about, you know, the, the flashy stuff, the things, so to speak, but it ends up being about the experiences. It ends up being about, you know, the journey and, and the person that you become. And so I always had this kind of preconceived thing that, well, you know, I'll, I'll be successful when I have this, or I'll be successful when I have that. And it was really, you know, I found through the journey that the fun part is in, in that process is in that journey, you know, becoming the best version of myself constantly, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, going to events, seminars, uh, and, and really just allowing my mind to be open, uh, and expand uh, that's, I, I mean, th- I think that's where, that's where everything changed. It didn't have to fit a certain mold. It just had to be like, continue growing, continue working on yourself, become the best version of yourself. And that was, you know, that was, that's, I guess, been a big kind of aha moment or shift for me. Would you walk us through maybe some of the darker times that you've had building this business and what you were able to do to get yourself out of it? Yeah, for sure especially in the beginning and even even now i i struggle with getting rejected like that that used to be something that would get me shut down like it would it would shut me down i was like i don't want to even i don't want to make another call i don't want to talk to another person i want to go do another meeting like i can't handle it and and i had to make that you know just that that mind shift of why am i taking this personally they're not rejecting me they like they like me as a person. We still talk. We still, you know, we still hang out. But so many people will take, you know, a rejection into not, you know, not joining their team, not joining their organization, not supporting their business as a as a personal thing when really it has nothing to do with it. And it can just be a total timing thing on on the other person's part. And and as I saw that begin to develop, you know, I might have got rejected five, ten times, and then all of a sudden, a year later, two years later, that person's on my team and we're business partners and we're having a great time. You know, so rejection has been has been really tough, especially, you know, social media is great, but it's also uh, another platform for, you know, people to nitpick at you uh, and try to bring you down and, and tear you apart. You know, I think with every entrepreneur, that's something you're going to deal with. And, you know, the great thing is you can just, I just chose to you know, bless and release, so to speak, <laughs> and let let them go and be in their own little negative world. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And I would suppose, I hadn't really thought about that for you, but I would suppose that as you, as you grow and you start hitting benchmarks that make people uncomfortable to watch, that holds a mirror up to what they have not accomplished. And it's you know what I mean? So they knock you down. That makes them look bigger. But I, I would suspect that that happens quite a bit for you because you've had such success in this. Yeah. 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 It happens a lot. And especially me being from the Midwest, it's a lot more passive aggressive with people. <laughs> so how so? Because I'm not sure. I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of reference for the Midwest. How is it different there? Uh, it's, it's like uh, they won't. They won't like say your name, but they're going to be very public about exactly what you're doing and basically do everything but say your name. And, and, and you know, 100% of the time that it's you and everybody else knows it is too. You know, we get, we get a lot of, we get a lot of that in the Midwest. They're not going to be, you know, like East Coasters going to be straightforward and say F you. In, in the Midwest, it's kind of like a, they'll do it, do it in a roundabout way and, and, and try to do it to, to cut at the core a little bit more. Well, we, we do a little differently in the South here in Atlanta. We, we, we say, bless your heart, and then we follow it with F you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Come in soft. Good cop, bad cop. You got it. Was there a particular favorite failure that set you up for later success? So in other words, at the time, you were like, oh, shit, this is not good. But then looking back on it, you're like, you know what? I'm glad I had that failure because that failure... Had I not had that failure, I wouldn't have had this success. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things. But I, I mean, one example is, so now 
as you know, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of training on stage. I mean, I absolutely hated public speaking. I know I'm not alone here because it's like one of the biggest fears out there for people. But my, I mean, my, I remember my first few times, I mean, not even few times, probably freaking 20 or 30 times. I mean, it, I look back on it now and I'm like, what a, I mean, a disaster. I would be, I would just be drenched in sweat. I don't even know if I said anything right. I know there's a lot of, you know, just bad stuff. I, you know, just not very intelligent things <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember kind of my first big speaking, uh, like speaking on stage, it was in front of probably like eight, 800 people. And I just, I mean, I just like, I froze. I didn't even know. I didn't know what to say. I forgot what I was going to talk about. I forgot everything that I planned out. And at the time, it felt like ten minutes. It might have been, you know, twenty seconds or thirty seconds. I don't. I don't really know. But that was something. After that engagement, I was like, I I can't do this. Like, I'm never going to do this again. How'd you get better at it? Uh, Just through repetition, doing it more and more and more, and continuing to do it. To I got to the point where I felt comfortable because I played sports. I think that was something that I really learned, learned from is like, continue to keep doing it, like practice it, practice it, practice it until it becomes habit until it becomes normal. And now, I mean, I could get up in front of 15,000 people tomorrow and, and, and speak and, and have a great time with it and have, you know, and it would be fun. But, you know, in the beginning, I, I mean, when I used to have to give like two minute biology presentations in college, I spent more time looking up diseases that I could get to get out of it, uh, or some sort of illness or sickness <laughs> instead of actually just, you know, doing it. That's how scared I was. I mean, I just, I, I, I despised it. I couldn't stand it. And I was like, everybody's going to know. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, they're, they're going to see right through me. I'm going to be a fraud. Like this isn't this isn't going to work, and all these like negative things that you start telling yourself, and it's, you know, in reality, none of it's true. And when you're up on stage, you're you're the expert. You know, most of the time, you're going to know more people more than what what people in the audience do in terms of what you're talking about or the subject you're talking about. And the more I begin to do it, the more I begin to own it. And you know, I still get I still get nervous. You still get little butterflies and stuff like that. But that was a huge just learning experience for me and and knowing that okay if i can get through this i can help other people get through this too and uh and and we're gonna make it happen let's do it baby so let's let's get more current what is the hardest challenge or bad behavior that you're currently working on with yourself oh my gosh okay well i don't even this is like hard to talk about i guess uh (laughs) i don't don't want to show my weaknesses off but no it's it's uh you know i i think being my own boss and not having somebody watching me at all times or making sure I'm getting certain things done or not, uh, that that's a struggle. So I guess I would fall under, you know, maybe procrastination. I could get away with it. I absolutely could. But when I really, you know, think about it and what helps me get through that is if I don't get this done, I'm, I'm letting, you know, a lot of people down from, from them being able to be successful or to be able to help them. Uh, so I think, you know, a little bit of that for me and, and this year and, and, and not putting off things so much. You know, this is an interesting conversation because when you're in a position like you are, where if you wanted to, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you wanted to, if you said, screw it, I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to go to the Caribbean, I'm going to spend a year and uh, you know i'm going to grow my hair out and well you actually grew your hair out so you probably won't do that again but i'm going to you know i'm going to i'm going to i'm just going to hang out on the beach i'm going to get a little spot and i'm just going to chill and relax and i'm not going to connect with anybody or anything you're in a position now economically where if you did that the money would continue to roll in is that correct that is absolutely correct yep so I see the dilemma because the dilemma is, you know, when we're, we're all working because we have a goal, right? We want to have money coming in. Well, now you do. Now you've got it. Not only is it coming in, but you've created it coming in in a passive way that truly doesn't require. And I'll, and I'll put the word require in quotes just for, the, just for pushing this metaphor or this point. But you don't have to do it anymore, but you still do. So you've got to get... 
you got to find that internal motivation, I suppose. I'm speaking for you, but you can correct me. You got to find that internal motivation to rise above it and continue to push. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and that's a, a daily reminder for me. I, I have it written in my in my journal, in my notebook, in my phone, just a, as a constant reminder of where you know where I came from and and what the real mission is. Because I know because of what you know we've been able to accomplish, I I know I can help other people do that too. And and when I'm talking to people, those those are things that I'm telling them. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be here with you. I'm gonna help you. Uh, I'm not going to force you to do anything, but when you're ready, I'm going to, I'm going to help you do that. And so it's, you know, I think the, your why changes, uh, your why evolves, so to speak. And now that I do have that passive income coming in, I could just, you know, go away. We have enough vested leaders that it's not, we're not going anywhere, you know, and, and that's a huge benefit of, of doing this business is if you need to take that time, personal stuff comes up. I know, um, you know, like my my grandfather recently passed away, and I had the freedom and flexibility to go stay at his house, sleep by his, you know, sleep by his bed while he's in hospice care. And it's like I don't know what else I would have to do to be able to do that and spend that time with him, you know. And and that was, I mean, to me, those moments are are priceless. They're priceless. So it's that that little stuff too, not just getting away, but when life stuff comes up. It allows you the flexibility to to go and, and do it. And that was something that continued to drive me because I know other people are going to have life stuff come up and I want them to be able to have an income that they know is going to keep coming in, whether they're going to be quote unquote working or not that week or that day or, or that month. You know, and, and so that that kind of stuff is what really drives me to to get through that. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the fun stuff, which is the uh, the play hard stuff. So, was there a? And some of these questions are going to be like, I can't believe he's asking me this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them to you anyway because they're in me, so I'm gonna ask you. Was there a particular purchase that you made as you started making money that you always wanted that really added value to you? And value could be sometimes. It's okay to go, I want to buy a $1,000 leather jacket just because I look cool in the jacket. Like, it's like I'm not curing cancer here. I'm just trying to do fun. What was that for you? Where it, like, you know, we all have in the back of our, our mind, you know, we want the Lamborghini, we want the house on the water as, as guys and even, even women too. Like what, like, what was the thing where you went, God, I've always wanted this and you just freaking, yep. Oh my gosh, I love this. And it's fun. Like, yeah, everyone that's listening, you have to do stuff like this because, you appreciate it. I don't care what the cost is, you know, as long as you can afford it, you, know, you got to do this stuff. And so, uh, for me, the first, the first one I, I, and I was looking for a year and a half when I was finally at the point where I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Uh, but since I was 12, I've always, and because my parents were in network marketing, like we had vision boards, they had theirs on the fridge. I had mine in my room and I had a picture of a white G wagon with blacked out windows and black rims, black tires. So once we started making income, that that was something that had always stayed on my vision board and set goals to hit that. You know, For us, it was a, a certain rank. And I was like, okay, when we hit this rank and we're making this amount of money, like I have it all saved up and we're gonna, just going to go buy it. And I looked for a year and a half finally, and there's not as many in, in Minnesota as there you know, is in other areas of the world. Um, so one finally popped up at the dealership, went to the dealership, and it was honestly the whatever salesman walked out first that day, he was, you know, was going to be very happy because my he, mind was already made up. I already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he hit pay dirt. Yeah, he yeah. hit pay dirt. And so that was the first one. Uh, it was a white, white G-Wagon G63. I love it. I don't know. I don't think I'll ever be able to get rid of it. I think it's going to just keep evolving, maybe into some really cool off-road vehicle eventually. But I don't know. But that was that was one of the things, you know, exactly what you're describing. I was like, when I when I quote unquote make it to this level, that's the that's the vehicle I'm going to have. What is on your vision board now that is like that was then? Oh my gosh. Well, I we're just in the, you know, kind of process of of moving right now. And so it's like finding, you know, finding some of these these pictures and stuff and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's happened." 
you know, whether it was like an income goal or a material thing. But right now I have a watch. I have a watch that I really want uh, that's on my vision board um, that I have a couple goals set. When I hit those goals, I can't wait to go get that watch and, and look at it on my wrist every single day. I will share with you because the last time we were together in Los Angeles at uh, Chris's house for his 40th birthday, we talked about watches and uh, my wife surprised me with one that was on my vision board, which was a Panerai. And uh, I just got the Panerai and I got to tell you, man, it was nice. You need to send me a picture because uh, I, I just got one as well. I know it's not you know, at the level of yours, but I, you inspired me uh, to really look at those. And I, I found one for, you know, kind of on the low. Um, so we're going to have to, we're going to have to take a nice picture together. Well, I tell you what's great about that watch for, for anybody who's listening, who's into watches, what makes that watch unique is that, um, and somebody can Google and wiki this and, and get how I got it, uh, entirely wrong, but I think I'm close. It was designed for the Italian officers in the Navy. And it was designed, as all Italian things are, um, to have form and function. So it needed to be able to work when they were diving uh, in the water, but it also needed to look beautiful when they were in uniform. And so it's this 1950s highly functional watch. That's that's the story of it. And that's what I love about it. Oh, I love it. Okay. So now that you've set yourself up, you've got time, you've got money, What's a typical day look like for you? You wake up, you hit the gym, you do your calls, you go to bed. Like what's a what's a standard Hayden day? Yeah, standard day is is you almost just exactly described it. Um, but I wake up, I have my I have my coffee, I I do my I do my devotions, I do my reading, I do my journaling. I love to take that time in the morning uh, for that. It just seems to be when everything's calmest and, and most quiet. And you know, I don't have any I don't have any kids yet or anything like that. Um, I know that's a whole nother story. Uh, but then I go to the gym, I get my workout in just depending on the day, you know, it's either in the gym or I've been doing a a little bit more hot yoga. Uh, and then I also have one of those Peloton bikes, uh, that I have in my house. I can kind of do whenever. And I freaking love that thing because I'm competitive and I've almost died on there about five times. So (laughs) that's just, you know, I'm like, I'm going to beat that person, but I'm definitely going to beat my score from last week. Um, <laughs> so that's been nice just to have that uh, have that around. If I have some downtime, I can hop on and, and do that. But then typically, my workday starts... I don't like it to start before noon, but most days probably starts about 11, where I will start my kind of my first calls, whether it's a coaching call, uh, following up with people, checking in on people with their products and, uh, with their business, things like that. Uh, and then at night, you know, I kind of have about a few hours in the, in the middle of the day for just to kind of take care of whatever I need to take care of. I try to keep that, that space open as well, just more for myself or to answer back messages, emails, uh, things like that. And then at night, uh, is a lot more and and because, uh, my business is global now, uh, mixing in all these different time zones and, and trying to make that work. I do a lot of stuff via you know video conferencing. Uh, we use the we use Zoom a lot, but then also with my local team here, uh, once or twice a week have a live kind of local meeting that people can come in, learn a little bit more, uh, and then I, I love doing the business training part of it uh, as well. So typically, like one. Uh, live in person kind of opportunity meeting, so to speak, and then uh, either later in the week or or just right after that, uh, doing a business training uh, and really helping people see how this can be a income producing asset for them. Um, so that'll be a couple days a week, but otherwise it is uh, you know most evenings. Uh, my work schedule is just different. I, I work I work a lot of evenings doing calls and, and video conferencing and and coaching and things like that. That would, I guess that would be kind of a typical day, a typical work day. But again, it just it depends on where I'm at, Rob. I mean, if I'm in California, then it, it might look a little bit different. I want to enjoy the sunsets and, and see those things too. How has... Uh, okay, so there's, there's two things that you said um, before we wrap I want to touch on. Uh, the first is your, uh, your workout routine. You mentioned hot yoga, which I just began myself. And I think this will be useful for people you know, as as most of the listeners of this show will learn about me, Hayden and I are very, very different in the world of sports. I just learned that there was somebody named Tom Brady this year. Yes, that's a, that's a true story. Okay, 
So um, I can I can talk all about what I've learned about him this year, but I know I'm getting his food delivery delivered tonight, which is a conversation for another day. I'll tell you guys all about it. He the company he uses is called Purple Carrot, so I'll, I'll let you know if I like Purple Carrot. But one of the things I'm learning from his book TB12, and, and I'm going somewhere with this, so bear with me. But one of the things that I learned from his book is that you don't want to be so, and I'll butcher this, but so tight and constricted from things like weightlifting because your body doesn't absorb the shock well. And you want to uh, lengthen the muscles as much as you can, which is why he's so big with plyometrics and things like yoga. So, you know, being a- Muscle pliability. Uh, there you go. Muscle pliability. Yeah. So being, you know, being new to this world, I- uh, I said, okay, well, you know, let me let me start doing uh, hot yoga. So I started it about a month ago, and I've been doing it just once a week um, on Sundays. And I have to tell you, I have never felt better in my life doing hot yoga. Now I don't feel like I look any better, but I'm sure that most of that is going to come from my diet. So my question for you is. You got three things you're doing, right? You're doing hot yoga, you're spinning on the Peloton, and you're doing weights. What does that breakdown look like in terms of how many days you're doing what? Yeah, uh, I would say weights about three to four uh, days a week. Peloton, I mean, that could range from anywhere from two to five, just kind of depending on travel schedule and, and what's going on. I would like to do hot yoga twice a week, but I would say consistently I'm at about once a week right now. Oh, good. I don't feel so guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and if I'm on like a, if I'm doing like one of my 24 or 48 hour fasts, I typically won't do like heavy weights. I'll do more like yoga and and get on the bike those days. Yeah, it's a little it's a little hard to have you know have two 45 pound dumbbells on you doing bench presses when you know you're on a 48 hour fast. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I get it. (laughs) I've done it. I could do it, but hot yoga has been amazing. I would totally agree with you. I mean, it's just the way I feel, but I think what it does like mentally too, it just gives you a chance to, I mean, it's like an inward focus and it's great. It's amazing. Yeah, I can't really describe it, but there's something about that, that hour in there. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you get this, but at the end of it, I get a little peppermint towel that they hand me with essential oils. I, 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 I like kill myself for the hour just so I can get the towel to put on my, put on my forehead. I need to find a place like that. Yeah, it's fancy. Fancy. All right, so let's let's uh, wrap up with our rapid fire round of questions. Uh, feel free to answer these as quickly or as um, as take as much time as you need to take. First one is: Are there any particular books that you have reread? Yes. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm a huge John C. Maxwell guy, uh, but his 15 Laws of Invaluable Growth and that's something I reread all the time. Uh, there's just there's so much application in there. It's like. I mean, my book is just shredded. It's shredded. That, that's the one I reread probably the most. What is the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? <laughs> oh my gosh. The one thing, there's too many things. Uh, I would say most of that is probably clothes that I just can't let go of, but you know, they, they're, they're there. They have some sort of sentimental value somehow. I don't get it, but there's a lot of clothes that I have that I should throw out that I just can't. Other than Facebook and Instagram, what's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? Ooh, I would say my NBC Sports Talk app. <laughs> is that where I get a lot of my sports updates? That's my guilty that, pleasure. <laughs> that is the one app that I would delete. Okay. So <laughs> best advice for your 20-year-old self? Ooh, don't just stop taking things so seriously. I was, I was pretty serious then. I had a lot of fun, but I mean, it was like, I would worry about the dumbest stuff ever. If I were to talk to your friends and ask them what your superpowers are, other than me, what would they answer? Mm, they would probably answer, geez, uh, probably just that I'm a very kind of friendly, uh, easygoing person. I don't know if that's a superpower, but you know, also at the very, like a, like a, I don't know how to say this, like a, like a humble, strong, or like a, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. Okay. okay. And then the uh, the last question is: If you had to give a TED talk on nothing that you're known for or nothing that you speak about, and it could be on anything that you like or that you have a passion for or anything else at all, what would it be? I would say, uh, and because of you know 
what I do now, it kind of falls in, you know, to the lines of that, but it would, it would probably be a little bit of something on, uh, research into anti-aging. That's, that's like, because of my science background, I don't talk about it a lot. And, and even, you know, being in this kind of supplement industry, so to speak, I don't talk because people aren't, no one cares about that. Um, but it's a little guilty pleasure that I have is, you know, going through going through research on anti aging and uh, things like that, and all the all the fun stuff that's coming out that that excites me. And not a lot of people now would know that. Thank you for this. Uh, this was amazing. Your your grandpa up in heaven would be so proud of who you've become. And I am so grateful to call you a friend. And 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 thank you for doing this. This was great. Yeah, I mean, I had an absolute blast. Yeah, obviously, every time we talk and hang out, uh, you know, we we have a great time. But this has been a lot of fun. I I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I just want to I want to thank you. And it's a, I love I love the name of your podcast, Work Hard, Play Hard, uh, because I feel like every time we get together, that's how it is. <laughs> we we both work hard, but we definitely know how to play hard, and I love that part about life too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have any final words, suggestions, or even an ask for the people that are listening? Yeah, I would just, I mean, this is something that's been coming up a lot for me lately and people I've been, you know, working with, coaching, uh, talking to, and alluded to it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but in whatever passion you're pursuing, be patient with it. And I would just, you know, really ask the listeners to uh, really dig deep and, and figure out when stuff gets tough, you know, what is going to be the one or two things that keeps you going, uh, that, that keeps you grounded, uh, that keeps you pursuing that passion because there's going to be tough stuff that comes up and it's going to come up more, you know, more than once. Uh, there's going to be a lot of tough situations that are going to make you want to quit. They're going to make you want to stop. They're going to make you want to stop pursuing your health goals, your business ventures, whatever it may be. But be patient with it because I think we can all look back on time and say five years wasn't that long ago, but you try to project five years forward and it feels like it's going to be forever. Uh, in in reality, it, it, it's not. So I would say, especially to my millennial generation, be patient. Uh, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Perfect advice. Hayden, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.